0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Psalm 103 verse
1: 7. Oh, thank you. Psalm 103 verse 7 is a core verse to me that helps set up this series. Now, when I say a series, I'm actually not sure how long it's going to go or how many parts there'll be to it. Uh, because I really feel like over the next several weeks, we want to take the time to delve into what the Bible calls the ways of God. Psalm 103 verse 7 says this, that God made known His ways under Moses, but He made known His acts under the children of Israel. Think about that a minute. It just simply means that while some people saw what God did, there was someone called Moses who saw how God did it. You go, well, so what? What does that mean? Well, I guess, you know, once you know the way somewhere, you can go on that way whenever you need to or choose to after that point. You don't have to keep looking up maps, dialing in the address. Why? Because you know the way. And I don't believe that God is as random or as mysterious nor as mystical as so many people think that He is. I think there's ways that God has. Well, I'm sure there are. And we're going to start talking about some of them over the next few weeks. I'd encourage you to get a hold of every one of them. If there's something about it that maybe piques your interest or really that you kind of go, hold on a second here, not sure how that works, listen to it again. Again, go back to the Word of God. Don't just believe it because I tell it to you. Go back and say, Lord, is this what Your Word says? So tonight I want to talk to you about waiting on the Lord. Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Now this man's a prophet of God. So his job is to hear from God. It's his role to be able to say, this is what God is saying. But at this point, he doesn't know the answer. So this is where we're picking it up. Habakkuk says this, I will stand my watch, set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said this, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run, who reads it, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It won't tarry. I will stand on the ramparts, on the wall that is, and I'm going to see what God's going to say. When it comes to vision, waiting is often required. I know that tonight I'm speaking to many of you that have got a vision or a dream in your heart, but you say, What do I do next? What's step two? Nothing seems to be happening. Many people are waiting for, but they're not waiting on. Waiting for is where I'm waiting for God to move, I'm waiting for God to act. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 is a verse that I remember learning as a reasonably new Christian. It says this, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's a great verse that says, to wait on the Lord. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew. It's interesting that the word renew there in the Hebrew is a word, Korlaf. It is, I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly, but I know that's what the word is. And it literally means to exchange. In other words, when I start waiting on the Lord, it's more than just I'm waiting for a circumstance to change. It's more than I'm waiting for God to act. It means this, that when I do that, there is a divine exchange that's going on on the inside of me. When I spend time in the presence of God, when I spend time waiting on the Lord, not for the Lord, when I spend time doing that, a divine exchange happens of my ability for His ability. You can understand why I'm saying that. For me, this has been one of the foundation uh, parts of my leadership life, of my ministry life, more than that, of my life with God. Because in our fast-paced world, one of the things we like to do the least is to wait. Think about it. I remember when we first got a computer and there was a dial-up modem. Well, matter of fact, I remember when there was no dial-up modem, quite frankly, but uh, I remember when that came in and that weird (laughs) sound that it used to make. And we thought that was so amazing. Then when we went from dial-up modem to whatever the next thing was, I'm not tech enough to remember what it was called, but the next part of it. And now we've got, you know, then there was ADSL2 and then ADSL2+. And then we went to broadband. And wireless everywhere. I was listening to Pastor Hayden say that this week he was in a building in a facility where he said to them, you know, uh, what's the Wi-Fi password? And they said, there isn't any. We don't have Wi-Fi. And he's like going, what? You know, what kind of century are we living in? Because we're so used to everything. I don't know about the rest of you. I had to use my wife's phone last week because I'd left mine at home. Her phone is like a dinosaur. It's so old. And I'm, I'm going like, I said to her this week, Ronda. you've got to get upgrade. You've got to get a new phone. That thing is so slow. Why? Because we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait in traffic. We don't want to wait in any line. How many people like me you ever gone through international customs or immigration and you're there praying saying, Lord, give me a word of knowledge as to which line's going to go the fastest. And, and how many people have ever discovered that the line you get in, that was the fastest? It's now the slowest. And I always look at that and go, okay, Lord, I get it. It's cool. I've got to learn how to wait. Galatians chapter 1 is an interesting little insight into the life of Paul, the apostle. It says this in verse 15. But when it pleased God, I'll stop on that a minute because I want you to think about your life. But when it pleased God, not when it pleased me, not when I was ready. Not when I pressed the go button. Not when I said, Lord, yes, I'm all for this. Nothing to do with that. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. Watch this now. Because Paul understands something about the need for us to wait that we have so forgotten. He says, when it pleased God to do that, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He didn't run to the apostles. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Most people, most theologians believe he spent 11 years seeking God before his ministry launched. Whatever it was, I do know this it wasn't immediate. In other words, the apostle Paul said, there was a time space. I often ask myself the question, God, why didn't You do it faster? How about before Stephen got martyred? Might have been a good time. Because Paul, who was then Saul, the Scripture tells us, was one of those who held the garments of those that stoned Stephen. Somehow or other, everything had a a purpose and a meaning. Somehow or other, Every event was not wasted, but was utilised by God. And yet you and I, we divide our life up into the useless and the useful. And we tell God how where I am right now is useless. And God says, no, I'm calling it useful. That's such an important thing to get a grip on. If you are gonna fully follow Jesus, if you're going to fully trust the Holy Spirit, then there's going to have to be moments in your life where you're going to say, this is useless. What on earth, God, don't you realise time marches on, I'm getting older, you've got to hurry this thing up. And God's going, don't call useless what I intend to use for my glory. God waits 40 years for Moses to be ready to act. 40 years, a long time, why not? 39, like, hello, I'd rather get something half cooked than, you know, you know, why wait the extra bit? Anybody like me when you bake a cake, I'm, you know, it says 40 minutes. I'm checking it at 39. I got that skewer out there going and and, uh, I baked something the other night. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember going and, and at the time appointed, it wasn't ready. You know, well, I don't get the cake out and go, well, too bad. I've waited the time. That's it. And put it in front of my guests and say, here, eat raw cake. Have raw dessert. I don't do that. Why? Because it's ready when it's ready. Listen to me tonight. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to people that are a part of this service. It's ready when it's ready. That is a word from God for somebody who's a part of this service. It's ready when it's ready. And if it's not ready, then it's not ready. Don't get out and try and make it happen in your own strength before it's ready. Who knows What great thing is waiting for you and for me if you'll just wait? Oh, look, I've got to tell you, there isn't one part of my personality or of my natural self that likes what I'm preaching. Nothing of it. Because I'm like most people, I want it yesterday if possible. But it's what you do while you wait that's so important. I want you to come with me to the book of Acts chapter 13 and 14, and then just one more verse. And I want to show you something quite profound about what you do while you're waiting. Remember, by the way, if you really want to ask some questions about this message, I mightn't even know the answer, by the way. I'll tell you what I, I do know. But you can go to that text number 0439 134764. If you're within Australia, if you're outside of Australia, go to info at metrochurch.org.au and one of our team is going to be sending me those at the end of the message and I'll do my best to answer them fairly briefly. But let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Then it gives us a list of all the people that were there. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, not Judas Iscariot, the other one. These all continued with one accord and prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, because Mary and Joseph had had other children. And so they were a part of that. And so here is this great crowd of people, and the Bible tells us it's actually 120 of them. Must have been a big room and they're all there and we're told that they are in this space in prayer and waiting upon God. That's what supplication means. They're standing before God, sitting before God. 10 days is a long time and you and I go, hello God, I've been here a week, isn't that enough? God, Jesus was only in the grave for three days, let's do three. And they get to day three and the Holy Spirit whispers to them and says, keep going. And they have not read Acts chapter 2 because it's not written yet. So they don't know that the day of Pentecost is what they're waiting for. All they know is we've been told to wait, so we're going to wait. You've got to get this tonight because I believe there's some of you and you've been waiting for God and not been waiting on God. And so nothing's happening. But if you will change gears and go out of this service and set yourself in the next several weeks and say, God, I'm going to wait on you. I know that something's going to happen in your life. Watch this. Here's 120 people. They are waiting on God, not knowing where the answer is or what the cutoff date is. So let's go now to the end of the 10 days. Most of you will have heard this passage before. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, what does it say? It's on the screen. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Not partially come, not just got it launched. It wasn't the beginning of something. See, you and I want to go, God, I'm ready because I've started. I've said yes, here I go. And God goes, hold on a second. Someone asked me the story about how this church started the other day. And so I told them the story about how for three or four or five years, Rhonda, it might've been, that our pastor had asked us, I remember he asked us to go to Townsville first to plant a church. Don't ask me why I said this because I'd never been to Perth in my life and I did not know a human being who'd ever been to Perth. But I said, to my pastor, I don't think it's God, but if you want us to go anywhere, we'll go to Perth. He said, no, we are never go to Perth. It's too far. Well, I think it was probably a year later or six months later, he asked us to go to Sydney, I think was next. And again, I prayed about it. I said, look, I don't feel like it's God, but I'll go if you tell me to. But if you want us to go somewhere, we'll go to Perth. No, we are never go to Perth. Well, six months or a year later, it was Melbourne. I want you to go to Melbourne. And I prayed about it. I said, look, I don't feel like it's God, but if you tell us to go, we'll go. But if you want us to go anywhere, we're going to go to Perth. No, we never go to Perth too far. In those days, you couldn't even fly direct here from Brisbane. Well, about a year or so later, we'd had two days of intense meetings of leaders. And at 11 p.m., I remember it so clear, I can tell you the building we were in. And he turned to the crowd that was there, the group of leaders, and said, and I'm going to be asking Jeff and Rhonda to go to Perth. The moment he said it, I knew that we were going to go. we just built a home, just been in it less than two years, hadn't finished all the work on it, and yet it was the right time. And so we immediately put our house on the market. Within three months, we'd taken our young family, we'd packed up everything, and we'd moved to a place where we still didn't know anybody. You go, why why are you telling me that story? Because, see, some of us, we don't want to wait until when the day of Pentecost had fully come. It's when it's fully come. I'm not saying, you know, just kind of blame God on delay. That's not actually what I'm talking about. It's what you do while you wait that really matters. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Watch this they were all with one accord in one place why? because while they were waiting God was working while they were waiting when it says they were all in one accord in one place how many of you know the disciples were never in one accord go read the gospels they were never in one accord James and John uh, it wasn't the sons of Zebedee you know who got their mother to go and ask Jesus you know please look after my sons give them the favorite spot at your right hand when you come into your kingdom That is not a sign of unity, all right? Thomas, who goes, all right, I'll go up and die with you. Peter goes, no, don't go. That's not unity. Something took place in these 10 days that brought one accord in one place. And it strikes me this, that why was there a 10-day wait? Because of this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all together in one accord in one place. And there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole place where they were sitting and tongues of fire appeared on each one of them. They all began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And then all the crowd that were there heard them speak every man, it says about verse four, in their own language. What was happening that they had to Wait. I'll tell you, if they'd gone out at day one, there would have been no crowd because the day of Pentecost was one of the three major feasts of the people of Israel where they were commanded to gather. And so people had literally come on journeys from every generation. Ten days before that, most of them weren't there. But on the 10th day, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the crowd that's going to hear the Gospel, that's going to say, uh, what should we do? And Peter stands up and says, repent every one of you and and be baptised and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those people are going to respond. And after the feast, they're going to take this Gospel back to all the countries they've come from. And it never would have happened if these people hadn't learned how to wait on God. Don't you find that amazing? Think about how God organizes everything and all these apostles are there going, we're praying. Why can't we go now? I'm sick of prayer. I've had enough prayer. I want to do something. And God's going, just wait, just stay. I think one of the things I've heard God say to me the most in my life is this, just wait. I've never liked it when He said it. I still don't like it. There's some things right now that I feel like the Lord said to me, it's okay, I've got it. And I'm going, are you sure you got it? Because it doesn't look to me like you got it. I'm, I'm getting questions from people and I'm wondering about this. And, and yet when I come to pray, I hear the Holy Spirit go, it's all right. And I go, really? But I hope I've learned enough to learn that while I'm waiting, God is preparing me. Something's happening inside of me like it did with these people. And secondly, while I'm waiting, God is preparing my world. And if I go too soon, the people that were meant to be impacted by my life and by what God wants to do, they're not going to be ready. It's not, listen to me, it's not just about you and your agenda. It's about God. Here's the third thing is that waiting brings clarity and focus despite distractions. Think about that a minute. Again, all the hubbub of life out there and here's 120 people saying, forget that. We have so lost the ability to tune out distractions in our world. One of the reasons why I believe in taking time to pray every day is because there's so much distraction. There's so many things that demand my attention. I remember reading, <coughs> pardon me, some time ago that the average Australian gets bombarded with 3,000 different messages every day. Whether it's advertising going past you or demands on your time or emails. I remember talking to a young executive in our church <coughs> who told me that he gets 1,000 emails a day. And I look and go, my bandwidth is good for about 30. And God says to me, take time out. Listen to me. See, I want a God who goes, you know, puts a big neon sign. What was that movie? I don't remember what it was, but there was a big flashing sign on the freeway is all I remember about it. And we want God to do that. And he goes, sometimes I'll talk to you in the loud voice. And sometimes I'm not going to talk to you until you stop, until you wait to tune out noise and opinions. Here's the fourth thing, and that I think is often missed again, is that waiting purifies my motives. And You've spent 10 days in prayer waiting on God. You pretty well have lost all of the selfish ambition. No wonder the early church was so united because they'd ironed it all out in that upper room. Their motives got purified. Nothing crucifies the flesh. And by the way, the word flesh in scripture just, it's not referring to your body, it's referring to spiritual immaturity, it's referring to human desires untouched by God. And nothing purifies my motives and crucifies my flesh like waiting. Because, see, often when I come to pray, I've got my shopping list. I'm telling God this, 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 this. Hello. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Or is it just me? Am I just revealing my deep secrets? Am I just telling you about my weaknesses? Because I'll often come to God and I go, God, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And then after about 10 minutes of telling God everything, I go, oh, okay, hold a second. Let me just wait. And when I do that, a lot of me, leaves the building. A lot of what about me? I'm under pressure. You need to help. A lot of me leaves the building and something takes place in my life. I believe in spiritual discipline. I really do. And by that, I don't mean that in a hard or or harmful way. I've just never seen anybody really live a great life with God who wasn't prepared to wait on God. Maybe you're an older person here and you think, you know what, my best days are gone. But Moses, God waited for him until Moses was ready to wait on him. And he was 80 when God spoke to him. And the greatest triumphs of his entire life took place in the next 40 years. Think about that a minute. Are you prepared to take time to say, God, I'm not in charge of this and you're not my servant. I'm yours. So I'm here to wait. Here's the last one. Is that waiting affirms His Lordship. Nothing says, I trust you, like being willing to wait. Nothing says, God, you're in charge of this. And Lord, it's not about what I look like or what people think or how other people respond. I was thinking the other day about King Saul, who the prophet said to him, go up and wait for me. And when I come, I'll I'll offer sacrifices under the Lord and we'll hear what God's got to say. And King Saul goes up there and he's anointed by God, by the way. He's chosen by God. There's no doubt about who he is and that God wanted him and chose him from amongst all the people of Israel. But he goes up there and somehow or other, well, actually we're told exactly what happened. Because when the prophet comes back and says, what have you done? The king who was not allowed to offer the sacrifice, it was the prophet's job. And the prophet had told him to wait, but he couldn't wait because he said, you know what? People wandered away from me. I saw the people leaving me and I thought they'll all leave. Do you know how many Pastors I know who do things because they're afraid people will leave. Afraid that the crowd won't gather. I thank God for things like this in the day of Pentecost where the crowd gathered because they waited. Listen, it's not your job to create the harvest. Whatever your role is, whatever your business is, if God's called you to it, trust Him that He will bring the right things to place in the right time. Nothing says I trust you like being willing to wait. Let's finish. I'll go to some questions in a minute if you have them. And, you know, again, this is not me copping out. It's just me being honest. I don't know if I know all the answers. If you ask me when, I'll probably say I don't know the answer to that one. I do know how to wait on God. And for me personally, it never takes place like that. I wish it did. Let's go back to the verse we started with, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. I'll read it to you again. It says, I'll stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and I'll watch to see what he will say. He never said, God, I'm here, I'm here. Hello, I'm giving you five minutes and I'm out of here you don't turn up in 10 minutes, we'll give your appointment to someone else. He doesn't do that. He says, God, I'm up there. You know what? We're not told how long it takes. We're not told whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, whether he's up there all night. He simply goes up and says, I'll watch to see what he'll say to me. And watch this. And what I'll answer when I'm corrected. He's not going up there going, God, give me a good life. He's up there going, God, you can adjust me in this period. I don't know about anybody else, but when I pray, when I wait on God, I've never come out of there without being adjusted. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make a plan on tablets so that the person can run who reads it. But no one could run if someone didn't wait. The vision's yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it'll speak and it won't lie. They were tarries, wait for it. At the end, it'll speak, it won't tarry. I know there's lots of you that are part of this service And there's a dream inside of your heart. For some of you, it's not been last week, last month, last year. For some of you, maybe it's 10 years. Maybe for some of you, it's even further than that. Maybe you look back to when you first gave your life to Christ and a dream was put in your heart. And here you are all these years later going, God, when's this going to happen? And I believe that tonight God wants to help every single one of us. It's not mystical. It's not bizarre. It's not cue the spooky music and wait for a voice to boom out of the darkness. It's saying, God, I'm going to take time to let you speak to me. I'm going to take the time to wait, not for you, but wait on you. And Lord, while I'm waiting, I'm going to be doing something and you're going to be doing something in me, in Jesus' name. Listen, Natalie spoke a little bit earlier about her journey and the first time she ever came, first time she ever walked in the door here at Metro and, and really wondered, am I, hello, this is not at all what I thought. Went away wondering, but something in her wondering just kept on talking to her. Comes back again. I don't know whether it was the next week or a couple of weeks later, came back again and a bit more of the puzzle came into place And so she started with her yes to God and now you see this woman of God being used of God in her business life, in her professional life and in this place to lead you in worship and I think all of that started with a yes. Every single person that calls Metro Church their home, it started with a yes. It's so powerful. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you were raised in. I don't know whether you were raised in a Christian home, no home, or another religion home, whatever home. I do know this, that it can start with a yes. I don't know how good your life's been or how messed up it's been, but I do know this, it can start with a yes. I don't know whether you've got lots of questions or you're absolutely certain, but I do know this, it can start with a yes. Yes text is how you begin, 488 If you're in Australia, if you're outside of Australia or you'd prefer to get the help via email, it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. I really love you to say a yes to Christ. But more than that, I'd love you to. I'm not the Saviour. No other person is except Jesus. And He's waiting for you and for your yes so that He can get something launched Into your life, but when it pleased God, He's waiting for you because it pleases Him. Come on, say yes. I want to pray with people, and then I'm going to go to some Q and A in a minute. If there are any, I'll just go on here and check that out in a second. Oh yeah, we got Pastor Bruce Grant. Oh good, ready for some questions. But right now, the most important thing is your yes. We'd love to send it to you—one screen on a smartphone or a brief email—gives you a Bible verse, different one every day for 30 days a prayer that you can make yours by praying it. And that prayer will become part of your journey. So many people have said to me, it's like God speaks to me every day through this. Why don't you do it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that your love for us never stops, never wavers. There's never been a moment where you have second guessed the death of Christ, the gift of your Son for us. There's never been a moment where you wonder whether it was worthwhile because you love us. You love humanity. You don't love the good ones. You love everyone. You don't love the people of one race. You love every race. You don't love the people, Lord, that are trying to follow you. You love everybody. I pray for the people right now that are a part of this service that are going to say their yes to 048826392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. I pray, God, that this will be the greatest journey of their entire life. We commit them to you and pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, in a minute, Pastor Bruce will be out here. Come on out, Bruce, wherever you are. And uh, come be a part of us. Great to have you here. Pastor Bruce is one of our key team here at Metro. And we love, give him a a big hand, would you? Because Pastor Bruce is here with us. Yeah, yeah, why not? All right. So, uh, Bruce, just one question so far. got another one. Oh, have you? Oh, you got another one? All right, we'll come to that. Let me go to the first one. And I'm going to get you to put me on a timer for the first time because you know I'm famous for long answers.
0: We're talking minutes, aren't we?
1: One minute. One minute. Yeah, let's try for it. You time me, all all right? Ready? Here's the question. How do you cope and reset when you think you've missed a God opportunity or God moment and you hope there'll be another? Here's my answer. God is never taken by surprise by our missteps. The Scripture's full of people who started the journey. Think of Samson. Did God give him another opportunity? Absolutely. The Bible actually says that he had greater victory at his end than he had in all the time before. There was something in his surrender. Remember what John said this morning? A place of surrender. Am I going for the minute? So I would say to you this, whoever that person is, and there's probably many of you, I would say there is always more opportunity in God. God's not like people. People go, gave you one chance, you're finished. Not God. Speaking He's the God of finished. the second chance, the third chance, and the fourth and the fifth.
0: Speaking of finished. Done. Next question. <laughs> Great, okay. Uh, if you're waiting on God and believing for something, what is the balance in believing for a miracle but not knowing if what you are believing for is God's specific will for your life?
1: Great question. Number one, is what has the Word of God got to say? If the Bible says I can have it, then it's mine regardless of what anybody else in the universe says. Regardless of my background, if the Bible, i believe this, by the way. I believe that the Bible says it, i don't leave it to the theologians to argue. I, I was, I've been reading 2 Timothy this week. And some, a couple of times there he says, avoid foolish questions. Because sometimes we get ourselves so knotted up with all the stuff, rather than going, what does God say? If God says I can have it, I'm going to have it. And I go to that and believe that. And I pray, saying, God, you said it. I don't need any more than that. If I told you I'd do it. Like Bruce, I promised you some coffee beans a month ago. Do you know how many times I've remembered that I promised you? I bought a big bag and I said, I'm going to give you the extra. And then I had all these people and I used them all up. But I never forgot I owe Bruce a bag of coffee beans. Why? Because if I said I'd do it, I'm going to do it. So this week. You get your bag of coffee
0: back. Great, but I don't want those ones because they're too old now.
1: <laughs> See now, that's the spirit we ought to come to God with. I'm not coming for second best, God. I'm not going to settle for just the leftovers. I want something great. Well done. <laughs> Any more?
0: Yes, we do. Oh, more. Yeah. One minute. Well, great. they are flowing in. This here. is the first. This is fantastic. Okay. Ah, How do you know what's God's plan versus your plan?
1: Simple. Uh, great question again. And that's why I love this Q&A. And we're going to do this every night, I think, in these sessions at night. Because I love hearing what you need to know. Maybe I didn't cover it. How do you know that difference between God's plan and your plan? Do what John talked about this morning. Come before God and say, God, you can do anything you want with my life. I believe that once I tell God, Whatever you say, I tell him all the time, whatever you tell me, if I know it's you, I'll do it. doesn't matter how difficult is. It doesn't matter how radical it is. If I know it's you, that's my only caveat, Bruce, is I don't just go off because a thought popped in my head and I go, oh, that might be God. I don't do what might be God. I say, God, you know how loud you need to speak so I know it's you. But if I know it's you, I'll just do it. That's it.
0: Now, you did allude to this during the message, but I think the fact that we've got this question, this person's after some real clarity and some sure. practicalities. How do you keep moving forward while in the waiting period?
1: Um, I, for, again, these are all such great questions. For me, waiting on God in prayer is not doing nothing. I'm actually moving forward. There's a whole lot of things. Like every year... Uh, We have in Metro Church what we call destiny offering where over and above our regular giving, people get together and make a commitment for the following year. I think I'm right in saying this last 12 months, it was like nearly $400,000. It's not insignificant, it's huge. And that goes into some of the areas that otherwise we wouldn't be able to cover. But do you know, I never just go and say, here's a program, let's do this. I spend time with God Praying over it and for it so that by the time I get up to talk about it, I know it's already happened, if that makes sense. that I, And I, for me, it's partly praying. I've never said an amount, but it's partly just me getting into the place of going, God, I trust you. Mm. See, again, I'll just say it this way. A whole bunch of waiting on God is actually not about hastening the calendar, it's about changing you. While, think about this. It, well, I've never heard anyone ever preach on it, but Acts 1, verse 14, and they were all together in one accord. I go, that had never happened in three and a half years of following Jesus, but it happened in 10 days in the upper room.
0: Well, here's one that's not sugar-coated, and again, you just alluded to there with the waiting. What about when you are bone-weary waiting, (laughs) taking years and years?
1: What happens when you are bone-weary? For 32 years, Bruce, since this church started, there are things that I think about almost every week that were prophesied to us that God said were ours and that we were meant to do and that I still haven't seen come to pass. 32 years of waiting. I I do a couple of things. One is I encourage myself that God has never forgotten and that time is not holding God prisoner. God's not captured by time. He stands above it. Time is his servant, not his master. And so I encourage myself. I realise that Moses was 80. So I've got a few years left to start. Abraham or Abram was 75 when God called him out. I'm still not there. So I've got time for that. And I just come back again and before God and go, God, you said this. I didn't make it up. Can I say this to all of us? A God-given dream is not yours. It's yours to be responsible, to steward. If it came from God, it's his responsibility. You cannot be a Christian leader or a... Anything, whether when I say Christian leader, maybe you're a Christian leader of business, all right? You can't really follow God in that if it's all about you and about you making it happen. You got to go. You know what? I heard this week about the guy who invented Duolingo. The man who invented Duolingo uh, grew up in Colombia, very poor, but fortunately for him, was taught English at an early uh, age, learned English, and made a fortune in IT. And then used all the money to develop Duolingo. Why? Because he said, I want to help people all around the world learn English. Because he said in Colombia, if you know English, you'll get twice the salary of someone who doesn't. And I think about that. And I think about all the people that that man's now helping because he knew how to wait until his moment arrived. Wow. That's it at the moment. Bruce, can I get you tonight to pray as well? This is a little bit strange uh, perhaps to some I don't know but when I was praying here this week in the building about this service I wrote it down I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that there was going to be people that were suffering with uh, tinnitus you know the ringing in the ear deal and that God wanted to touch them and heal them I don't know who they are maybe they can contact you and let us know about that but I'd love it if you and everyone that's praying could do that that'd be awesome
0: absolutely we'll do that fantastic look
1: forward to next week